Hello and welcome back once again to the HR Social Hour Half Hour Podcast. This is episode 150. John and Wendy, welcome back, Lori Rudiman. <laughs> I'm your host, John. And I'm Wendy. Yay! I, I didn't swear this time. If you had, I would have bleeped it because bleeping's funny. Wendy, we celebrated at 149, but 150 yeah. is a tremendous celebration. Happy New Year. Happy New Year. Happy 2021. Finally. <laughs> Finally. Tremendous things ahead. Big episode on a number of fronts. 150. Our pal Lori is here, which we planned this thing so far back. And I was so happy when I looked and said, oh, it's 150. We also are incredibly excited to announce that we have a new sponsor. Yes. Super excited. We want to welcome the Bowling Green State University Graduate Programs in Organizational Development and Change to the HR Social Hour sponsor family. Tom Daniels, who's one of our listeners and has been a a very active chat participant, is on on the team there and reached out to us and wanted to partner in some way. And so we are really excited to be working with BGSU this month. We're going to have a, a special episode with Tom and one of the professors at the school. Wendy and I agreed it was a tremendous conversation we had with them, so we're excited to have that out later in the month. More about BGSU throughout the month. I said it before, Lori drives me crazy like nobody in HR, (laughs) because one day I want to hug her, and one day I just want to shake her and go, what are you thinking? (laughs) She is the greatest. We are so happy to have her here because we got a lot to talk about. We don't have an introduction, because if you're listening to us, I know most podcasts, every, every podcast is somebody's first podcast, but if you're listening to this... I'm assuming if you're new to this, it's because you know Lori. Right. So we're not going to make an introduction. Wendy, let's just get to it. Yeah. So excited to have Lori back on the show. So Lori, kicking it off as usual, what's in your glass tonight? Well, I have two glasses tonight for the both of you. Um, I wanted to mix it up. So I have my good old-fashioned water, right, because I'm a podcaster and I don't want to cough and die on you. And then I have Welch's Sparkling Grape Juice to toast our collective success in the new year. I love it. That's what actually I love their sparkling juice. I We buy it quite a bit. We call it kid wine at our house. (laughs) (laughs) Right. I'm calling it Lori wine now because I'm trying not hey, to drink. So something sparkly <laughs> and fun. Lori, just for you, I went shopping this afternoon. <laughs> I got the champagne of beers <laughs> because I don't drink champagne, but I have these pony bottles of Miller High Life. <laughs> Cheers, my friend. Cheers. Cheers to you. Oh my goodness. I love it. I wish it were only real <laughs> champagne, but it's a night. We can't do that. It is incredibly hard to believe, Lori, that you first appeared on episode 34 of this show, which was September of 2018. (laughs) A lot has changed for all of us in that time. Who were we then? Oh, my God. Let's recap the last two plus years. What have you been up to? Well, I've been um, in awe of your podcasting prowess, your collecting po- collective podcasting prowess. Congratulations on all your success. I mean, 150 shows. That's a lot of blood, sweat, and tears, and an awful lot of editing out the uhs, the ums. <laughs> oh, man. What do you think? You're at a million of those at, least, at this point? You got to be. My two years have been pretty boring. I don't know about you. I've been sitting around and, you know, examining my own life and trying to figure out who am I and why am I here, especially in the age of COVID. And the answer was, I am here, I think, to help people fix work. And if that's the case, I better get to it. So in 2018, I went out and looked for an agent and 
put together a book proposal. And in 2019, I sold that book proposal to Macmillan. Their imprint is Henry Holt. They're one of the top five largest publishers in the world. Then I wrote a dang book. And that's what I'm here <laughs> to talk about tonight. I'm real beat, but it's a good beat. It's an honest beat. You know, I'm not working in a coal mine, but I am doing some good work. So I feel good about that. Thank you for asking. I think that's fantastic. I'm very much looking forward to it. Love the title, Betting on You, How to Put Yourself First and Finally Take Control of Your Career. And it's going to be released next week. And y'all are listening to this episode. We know you're a prolific writer. You've been writing for a long time. What was the process like to get published? And what like really surprised you along the way? Well, my 46th birthday is January 8th, and it only took me 46 years to figure out how to get a book out. You know, I mean, it's not, not easy at all. It was kind of crazy. I knew I wanted to write what I would call a big girl book. Like that was always something I wanted to do, but wasn't really sure how to live my own values and put myself first. So I have a mentor by the name of Nick Morgan, who is a speaker coach and a professor. I asked him, how do people write books? He said, well, they write book proposals and they get an agent. And I just asked, can you help me do that? And he said, sure, for money. I can absolutely <laughs> help you do that. <laughs> I mean, he's a mentor and only You're so right. far. Right. you know. But anyway, he did. He was a great coach. We put together a book proposal. He introduced me to 10 agents. But I think out of all of this, what I've learned is that in order to do anything great in life, it does take a little bit of money and it's important to invest in yourself. And so I had to put my money where my mouth was literally and invest in Nick. And then along the way, I've invested in editors. I'm now investing in PR firms. So it's not an easy thing, but I think it's worth it. So you've learned a lot. Talk about like, what's the pitch for the book when you're talking to somebody new? I'm sure most of our listeners maybe have heard you talk about it on your show or wherever it may be, but if they're not familiar, what's the pitch? What do you hope people will learn from reading it? That's a really good question because if I had a slick pitch, I would be Tony Robbins. Well, I would be maybe <laughs> Mel, Mel Robbins. I think that's probably more accurate, but I would be in the Robbins sphere. I think part of the problem with career books, self-help books is that everybody wants to sell you something in like a two-by-two two quadrant or have five easy answers or have bullet points. And when Macmillan contracted me to write this book, my editor at Henry Holt said, no bullet points, none. We want no bullet points in this book. No charts, no quadrants, no boxes, no nothing. This book is telling stories about how people should bet on themselves, prioritize themselves, and fix work by fixing themselves. So I went about trying to think, what kind of book would I want to read if I were someone at a crossroads in my career? And it turns out I was at a crossroads in my career. And I opened the book with that by telling a story of me working at the largest global pharmaceutical company, Pfizer, which does great work. All they know how to do is work. I talked about my breakdown there and how one night at the airport, I decided this is over. I really need to fix this. But I didn't quit my job right away. I started a journey of working on myself, of working on my well-being. And it's not something I would normally talk about. This stuff doesn't come up in conversation, except so many people around the world are at that burnout point, are at that breaking point, and they want to walk away. And my advice to you is that you can walk away, but until you fix what's broken in you, this is going to be a cycle that happens over and over and over again. So from there, I propose really four themes around fixing work by fixing yourself, and that's around self-leadership, risk-taking, learning, and well-being. And I'm like nervous every time I say those because I'm always afraid I'm going to miss one. 
But again, I could not just give the, you know, the four methodologies of fixing work. I really set out just to continue to tell stories from my life, from my clients, from my work history, from smart authors that I've interviewed to tell a tale about how people can fix work and fix themselves in six months. So that's the book. We are excited. <laughs> no one's we're we are very excited yeah. about the book. But to no one's surprise that listens to this show, we have an author on. We're giving away a book. Yes, we are. What we're gonna do? I'll have it at the end, but I always like to put it in the middle. No one, not everybody listens to the end. If you use the hashtag HR Social Hour and the hashtag Betting on You Book on all our platforms, LinkedIn, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, those four, none of the other hoot nannies. I don't know anything about them. We're not touching them. <laughs> on those four, those two tags. From the time the show comes out until January 22nd, you have a chance to share something about this episode, about the book, using those tags. On the 22nd, we'll pull the names, and then Lori will send you a signed copy of the book for your collection and for you to read, too. And maybe a hoodie or something else. I don't know. We'll see what oh. I still have left in my magic box of swag in my diamond. <laughs> even better. Oh. Even better. Hashtag HR Social Hour, hashtag betting on you book. Mm. Use those two together and be in the running. Uh, the running what, do, what do they say? May, not may the force be with you. This is the way. This is the way. <laughs> so we're going to shift a little bit from the book. It's our show. We can talk about whatever we want, right? Wendy, if I never talk about this book again, I'll be okay with it. I'm already sick of it, which is how I know I'm an author and how I know I'm ready to write my next one. So talk about anything else, please. After 2020, we really should not get in the job. We should get out of the prediction world, quite honestly, because if anyone was right about 2020, please let us know. What are you seeing as the biggest challenge coming up in 2021? And how can HR professionals get themselves ready? You know, we pay lip service to remote work and hybrid work, but CEOs really want people back in the office. They really want people back in the office. And I don't mean essential workers. I mean the 30 to 40% of professional workers who are working from home. Even though productivity is high, even though it turns out we can work from just about anywhere, our jobs can be done anywhere, CEOs don't care. They're saving money on commercial real estate. They don't care. They want people back in the office. Even young, progressive CEOs out in Silicon Valley they want their community back together. And I think there are reasons why. I mean, digital communities are so fraught with miscommunication and issues. People are tired. They've got Zoom fatigue. They're actually maybe working too much at home. I worry that we're going to think that a vaccine means that we're safe. And I worry that CEOs are going to say, well, we've got vaccines. We've got masks. We've got sneeze guards between cubicles. We're going to be fine. And safety and security are paramount. And if we really truly value our talent, we value their physical well-beings. I'm a little concerned that HR is going to have to push back and push back hard and say, we're not ready. We're not safe enough. This isn't the right environment. And I just hope they can do it. You know, my good friend, Lars Schmidt, writes about 21st century progressive HR practices. And I think the leaders he features in his new book and on his podcast are leaders who could do that, who could push back. Then I think about all the HR people I used to work with in Melrose Park, Illinois, or Northbrook, Illinois, or in Crevecourt, Missouri, and I don't know if they could push back, and I think that worries me a little bit. I don't know. What do you guys think about that? I don't think you're wrong. Yeah. No, I think you're you're right on the money. I think all of us have seen that there is certainly an interest. I have been surprised at the number of 
employees that really want to get back that sense of camaraderie, or maybe they don't have great Wi-Fi or whatever, you know, whatever it is. For some people, they seem to excel or want to be in that setting and, and some don't. I think you're right, though. I think there is going to be that challenge of let's get them back. Let's get them back. And is it the right time? Yeah. What are we doing with people's well-being, not just their physical, but their mental well-being, knowing that we've all been through this this year. I'll bleep it because it's my show. <laughs> <laughs> we've all been through some stuff. How are we going to handle it? I think that I think they really go in tandem. I think it's going to be a real a real issue for all of us. Really well said. You know, it's funny. You're right. There are employees pushing to go back. My husband works in the pharmaceutical industry and he's back a few days a week and they've got amazing protocols. They are like, I would trust his work environment more than I would trust like the target. I think as more and more people start to come back to work, we've got some real challenges and there are legitimate reasons, John, to your point, why people want to go back to work. I know Ken cannot focus here, even though we're floors apart when I'm doing a podcast. It's impossible. It's just tough. You know, there are landscapers and neighborhood kids who are playing and I mean, everything's going on, but the way our office environments are built, are they even safe enough for that? You know, what's ventilation like? Do we have enough PPE? I don't know any HR expert who is an expert in logistics and operations before the pandemic, but they all are now. This is a weird time. So I wish everybody just stays safe and goes slow in 2021. Let's not rush back, rush into anything. He said, we don't know when people are even going to start getting the vaccines. I mean, we have at my work, people have started, but we're frontline. Yeah. And they yeah. should be getting them. I don't need it. And no. I can wait. I did a little quiz to figure out where I was in line for the vaccine. And I'm like second to last, <laughs> so I'm like, oh, which, is, which is fine. Yeah. And, you know, I, I worked at Pfizer, my, you know, my Life really uh, kind of blossomed when it was there in a lot of ways. And people ask me, what do you think about this Pfizer vaccine? And I think Pfizer can do anything. And that's one of the lessons that I learned when I was there. If they want to cure COVID in six months, they can do it. If they want to attract talent, even when their brand has been denigrated in the past, they can do it. And why? Because they invested money in it and they put it first. They were relentless in their pursuit of goals. And when I was working there, I was all over the map, whining, complaining. I thought if I only acted one-tenth like Pfizer the brand acted, I could kick butt and take names. And I think that was the biggest realization for me in my life. I hope in 2021, people don't just get the vaccine, but they also act like Pfizer, which is merciless with their competition. Let's talk podcasting. You were kind enough to have us on Punk Rock HR last year. And since 2018, you've gone through a rebrand there and... What did you learn after relaunching the show? And do you have any big plans for this year that you'd like to share? I did relaunch the show. I rebranded it from Let's Fix Work to Punk Rock HR. And most people who have known me for a long time went, oh, yeah, that makes sense because you get bored easily. <laughs> but I felt like I was not fixing work necessarily. And so Let's Fix Work was a brand promise that I couldn't deliver on. And Punk Rock HR was an old moniker that was given to me when I had a job in my very early 20s. The HR director said, kid, you got to clean up your appearance, take out your piercings, cover your body. You know, we have a no tattoo, no purple hair policy here. And who do you think you are anyway? Punk rock HR? And I went, yeah, yeah, I am. But she didn't mean it as a compliment. <laughs> just a, it's just a thing I've carried with me in my life. And then Chris Dunn uh, really leaned heavily on me in 2007 and said, this is your brand. And it was for many years until I became a middle-aged lady and I didn't feel punk rock. I think it's a perfect podcast title though. And so what, this is a long way of closing the loop to tell you that if there's something funny in your life, something that kind of grates at you a little bit and makes fun of you, but it 
it's also clever, use it. <laughs> like Just use it because people will love it. And I think punk rock HR is one of those things. So it's tongue in cheek. It's silly. It's meant to make fun of me, but I've reclaimed it. I have a secret to share. Whoa. A bombshell that I think Wendy and two other people have ever known about. All right. I hope I blow your mind and I hope you will appreciate my production skills even more after this. I love this. Where is this going? (laughs) If you recall, when we did episode 34 back in September of 2018, we were still using Skype. And at one point I dropped out and I came back in and we finished the show. Do you you recall that? I do. It seems to be a theme for us. Yes. Yes. It does. (laughs) What we did not know at the time when we did, we got done that evening, my track stopped. If you listen to that show, I have you and Wendy in my ear, and I wrote a transcript, listened to it twice, and then dubbed my part in. Oh, bang! It is is the podcast crowning achievement of my career. Nobody knew until now. Now everybody knows. And go back and listen to episode 34. You'll never notice because I got that damn good at this. You are blowing my mind. That is terrific. And also... What a commitment. You know, I would have just re-recorded it. All you had to do was ask. (laughs) I wanted the challenge. I figured I was in, what, 30-something episodes at that point. I'm like, I can do this. And I told Wendy, I'm like, yeah, by the way, I lost, what, 10 minutes of audio or whatever it was. So, yeah, if anybody goes back and listens to that show, that is me for at least half of it listening. And I I just recorded it, dubbed in my part. Yeah. You know, you asked what's in store for my podcast in 2021. Hopefully not that. I just want to record people, have a quick chat and move on with my day. I don't want 15 hours of post-production. That's really a testament to how creative you are and how hardworking you are. And you've got a good partner in Wendy. That's that's why I love this podcast. Thank you. I, I have to say it was really funny at the time. I was highly embarrassed. And I thought I can do this. This is not, it's not that hard. And it really, it was very, I was very fortunate that I had some time to to work on it. So yes, I, I have kept that a secret. (laughs) I think three people knew about it. My wife, Wendy, one of my buddies, I think those three people on the planet were the only ones that knew that episode 34 has this history. Oh my goodness. Well, you know what Brene Brown says? There's no, there's no helpfulness and shame. So (laughs) uh, I'm glad you did. And I'm quite proud of you. But again, if this ever happens again, let's just re-record. I like it too much. Duly noted. It's much easier. (laughs) Oh my goodness. Oh my goodness. So what's on tap for your podcast in 2021? What are y'all doing? We're going to be doing more video. I don't know what beyond that. No traveling. Not yet. Yeah, probably not. Wendy's going to have her corporate show really going in earnest in the next few months. Congratulations and, on that, by the way. I saw yeah. that. That's amazing. Yeah. Very excited. Like a convergence of your day job and your night job. It's kind of weird to to see that happen. Again, you know, when we recorded the last time, if someone had said, you'll be doing this in your, in your daily life too, I would. <laughs> this is a fun side thing. I don't want to get into it, but no, it's, it's been a lot of fun. And so. Well, Wendy, it just tells me you're operating at the intersection of like your purpose and your passion, which is really nice to see. Like that doesn't happen very often for a lot of people. And here you're doing it. I mean, it's not all sunshine and lollipops, right? But to be able to do something like that and get your message out and get your ideas out and get your organization's ideas out. What a real privilege. That is super cool. I'm proud of you. I was thinking about it a lot when we were recording with Bowling Green because they were talking about professional. No, it wasn't professional joy. How did he put it, John? Professional joy. Professional joy. 
that did, now that for whatever reason that doesn't sound right now, but finding that purpose wasn't out looking for it. Cause I was finally like, yeah, I don't care. You're going to pay me to do this. And I get my joy in other things. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, for sure. That's a healthy adult way of looking at life. But then when you get to do what you want for a living, incorporating more of that in, yeah. what a blessing. That's amazing. A lot of fun. A lot of fun. John, I was going to ask anything up and new and exciting for you. Not that I'm taking over your show, but that's what I do all the time. So. <laughs> oh, not at all. Look, I'm humming along. I love doing this. It's not going anywhere. We're really fortunate to have done it. Hard to believe it's three years now. Sometimes 150 episodes. What an amazing accomplishment! Yeah. 200 and something total. About 210 at this point. Between Wonder Women and all the special episodes, yeah. conference episodes, everything else. And to your point, we've produced all of them oh, yeah. except for 12, 14, something like that. You're certainly troopers. You know, I love <laughs> anything that you're going to do in 2021. So my request for you is more swag. Like you need a line. Yeah. You need a line. I would even take a poster, like whatever. Ooh, poster. I want more swag because I want more opportunities to support the show, which I think is really important. I know you gave away your swag last time, if I'm not mistaken, or maybe you charge, but I think you can have a whole branded line. I would support that. You're obviously going to be promoting the book in 2021, but do you have any other travel? Actually, are you traveling to promote your book or are you just, is it all virtual? Are you got any speaking engagement or events that you're excited about? Everybody should see my face now. (laughs) (laughs) All right, here's the deal. Um, When I signed my book contract, I made all these promises that I would sell the book at conferences and blah, blah, blah. And all that is in the toilet now. And I'm not exactly sure how to sell a book. And so I hired a PR firm to help me with that. And it's like media placement and stuff like that. I just assumed that instead of doing a book tour and conferences, I would do a virtual book tour. But I have since learned that bookstores don't want authors who speak everywhere. They want some exclusivity because then they can attract more people to that event because they know what you know, that every webinar has diminished returns these days because people have Zoom fatigue. I've got to be pretty strategic around picking what bookstores I talk to and where I'm going to be visible. Frankly, I would say yes to anybody. (laughs) Car dealerships, pizza joints, wherever you want me, I want to be there. But um, I'm working with smart people who have really good advice on that. And I'm grateful for that. I will tell you... I would like to travel and I think I can do it. It's just other people. I am really (laughs) worried that I could be the best dressed, most fully flocked PPE woman out there and someone would still sneeze on me. I mean, that's the kind of luck I have in this world. As much as I would like to, and I think it's probably relatively safe if you take precautions, I'm just not going to do it. I'm not going to do it. There may be things I have to do that I'm contractually obliged to do, but I'm not looking for an opportunity to go to, you know, Boca Raton, Florida anytime soon, or even I see people going to Cancun all the time. I don't know about that. That doesn't seem good to me. Can I be judgy on this show? Is that, it is an HR show. Yeah. Yeah. It just does not seem safe. So my book tour is weird. And I've been commiserating with other HR authors about this. You know, there are a lot of people out there from Minda Hartz to Laura Schmidt, all of these people who have books to sell. And we're all kind of talking to the same audience within the HR world. I don't know. It's, it's complicated. You have any advice for me? Oh, no, no, not a, not a clue. Not a clue. clue. Well, you know, I'm going to get at the airport. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) And your PPE and Lysol people down as they walk up. 
Oh man, I'm going to have to. I do have a little bit of travel on my schedule just for like work things to get some stuff done, but it is in and out. And I've only been on a plane once since the beginning of COVID. And I'd love to hear if either one of you have been on a plane. It was weird. And I went into a hotel and I had Chipotle for dinner in my room because I just did not want to go out to eat. So neither of you have traveled? No. No. Thankfully not. Do you remember the days when we could just at least pretend like we were going to meet up at a conference, you know, like it was a good idea? Oh, yeah. 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 <laughs> days will come back, right? I, I think they will. It's we just have to figure out how to tr- get there. I, I would have no problem, you know, honestly, going to a hotel, going to a conference. Honestly, I would, at this point, it's probably OK to go to Disney World because there's not that many people there. But it's getting there. That is the challenge. And I don't feel comfortable getting on an airplane right now. Well, I took a flight on Delta and I will say they were excellent. And they were Johnny on the spot with people who had masks under their nose. They were real strict about if you're not eating, you put your mask on. Why would anybody eat on a plane at this point? I just took my little snacks and stuck them in, stuck them in my pocket, you know, because I missed Biscoff cookies so badly. I was like, oh, I <laughs> Which I always want to call Bischoff cookies now. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway. My oh, I'm going to do that from now on. They are Bischoff cookies. They are Bischoff cookies. She likes to go. travel. Yeah. So anyway, I, t- I tucked away those Bischoff cookies for later and, you know, just kind of kept my head forward, turned on the air vents. And that part seemed fine. But walking through the airport was a little sketch. And yeah. there were airport workers who were very brave, very bold and corrected people. But it's like the moment someone takes down a mask until they're discovered could uh-huh. be minutes, could be 20 minutes, right? I don't know. I didn't feel great about that. So I would commend you both uh, for staying home. We're going to take a quick break and we'll be right back. Bowling Green State University is proud to sponsor the HR Social Hour Half Hour podcast. If 2020 taught us anything, it's the importance of being agile and open to change. Bowling Green State University is a world leader in providing graduate education to working professionals in organization development and change. In 2019, BGSU launched one of the only professional doctorate programs in the country in organization development and change. Both the master's and doctorate programs are designed for working professionals and blend the convenience of virtual learning with regularly scheduled in-person weekends a few times a year. The BGSU graduate programs in organization development and change provide students with practical skills and help them grow from a subject matter expert to a sought-after thought leader. To learn more about the master's and doctorate programs in organization development and change at Bowling Green State University, visit bgsu.edu slash mod. All right, we are back. So, Lori, you've been through the question connection before, but we have a few new questions that we have to get your answers for. So, our first question, what career did you dream of having as a child? Well, um, I never liked working as a child, and I don't like it as an adult very much. That sucks. I always thought it'd be cool to be a weatherman, even though I'm a woman. My grandma called them weather girls, and I wanted to be a weather girl. Yeah. I think that was a fairly common term in the 70s. I can remember I them so. being called weather girls. Absolutely. Yeah. Not saying it was right, but that's what they were. Yeah. I, and you know what? I went to a SHRM event at the Museum when that was open in Washington, D.C. And they had a big exhibit oh. and an opportunity for you to do the weather. And it was like a dream come true. I have a, I don't know, a DVD somewhere in this house of me in 2008 or 2009 doing the weather at the museum. I mean, it was kind of fun. Oh, Love SHRM. It. Yeah. 
Who's one person you've gained in your network in the last year that you think more people should know? Oh, that is such a good question. Maybe not a year, but maybe a year and a half. I have gained a woman by the name of Morgan Mercer, and she's a technology executive who founded a platform to help people put on these Oculus glasses and go through sexual harassment training as if they're being sexually harassed or witnessing it or whatever. Morgan Mercer is a fascinating woman, really just a tremendous person and someone I admire. So Morgan Mercer, is it? A new HR professional asks you for one piece of advice. What do you tell them? I tell them that it takes at least one year to be good at your job. Like I say this all the time. And in the first year, don't focus on doing the work, focus on building the relationships. I know this because someone told this to me and I ignored it and I suffered the consequences. <laughs> it's true. I think that's good advice for all of us. Whenever you start a new job or a new role, it's going to take a while to get good. Yeah. Don't try to come in and like do stuff. You don't know what you're doing. Nobody knows what they're doing for at least six months. A year is a good estimate. But if you can ask questions and be kind and be friendly and be helpful, then you have a chance at doing good work in year two. So I don't know. That's what I think. And finally, it is Lori Rudiman Day all around the world. What are we doing to celebrate? We are drinking champagne and we are eating ice cream. <laughs> Come on now. Like those are the two, maybe playing with some animals, the food and the champagne. Definitely. Ice cream all the way. I love it. Kitties. <laughs> yes. Do dogs as well. I dogs have my first kitties. foster puppy right. in yeah. 2020 and that went out pretty well. So I was happy with that. That was a great story. I love, I loved watching your, your Maggie. Yeah. She was a sweetheart. I'm surprised that hasn't come up before. What I have seen in the last year is so much more activity when it comes to animals in your presence, which is great. You know, it was fun. Like, like Wendy said, following the adventures of the new dog and what have you been a really, a really big thing in, in your life. It's funny that um, we're talking about this because I have been doing animal rescue since 2004, but I haven't been home a lot over the past couple of years, so I haven't been able to foster. So I've been mostly donating like my time and writing a check. And then with COVID, I had nothing but time. You know, my business, like most people's businesses, collapsed on itself. You know, I wasn't speaking. I wasn't doing anything. And a litter of kittens over the summer fell into my lap, almost literally. And it was like, all right, I now have four kittens and I need to find them a home. And I found three of them homes and one of them just didn't catch on anywhere. So I'm like, all right, you can stay. And then a dog ran past us in traffic and was darting in and out of traffic. And we pulled over. My husband opened the car door and she jumped right in. So we had a foster dog and worked with an agency in Virginia to help get her adopted. Yeah. I mean, it's been a year of animals. I don't want to say I want to go back to writing checks, but it's easier to write a check than to get your hands dirty. That's for sure. So it gave me a newfound appreciation or a like a renewed appreciation for the work that I've been supporting. So, yeah. I think champagne, ice cream, and playing with our pets sounds like a wonderful day. Lori, I cannot thank you enough for doing this, for everything you do for us, for the community at large. You know, I'm a fan and you drive me nuts and, and I need that in my life. Yeah, I think I've told you, if I haven't told you this, I'm going to tell you because I can tell it now. John Cates, who's one of our first guests on the show, told me a long time ago, he said, find people that challenge you. Don't just listen to those that are like you. Now, why it took me that long to figure that out or really pay attention, I don't know. 
you have challenged me from the minute I started following you. And I cannot thank you enough for that. Well, I appreciate you both. I think this podcast does a real service for our community and is a testament to the creativity and innovation in the HR space. So I'm real grateful that you both do what you do. You show a lot of people the way you inspire our community and you inspire me. So thank you. For those, if they've gotten this far and they're not following you, tell us everything, book, podcast, everything we should know. How do they find you out there? The easiest way, like the simplest way is to go to punkrockhr.com and it's all there. It's all there. You can't miss anything. Book, podcast, audiobook. I did my own narration, like all of it. All of it is there and photos of animals. We will have that in the show notes. And Wendy, how about you? Best way for listeners to find you out there. Best way is on my blog, mydailyjourney.com, daily theism dog, A-I-L-E-Y. And of course, the second and fourth Sunday of each month, you will find me on Twitter, 7 p.m. Eastern time as part of our twice monthly Twitter chat. And you, John. Once again, want to welcome and thank the Bowling Green State University Graduate Programs and Organizational Development and Change as being our sponsor for the month of January. Really excited to be working with them and look forward to sharing that podcast of theirs very, very soon. Friendly reminder, we are giving away a copy of Lori's book. Yes. So if you use the hashtags HR Social Hour and betting on you book in the same post, Facebook, LinkedIn, <laughs> Twitter, Instagram, again, none of these other hoot nannies that are out there. I don't know anything about them. Those four between yeah, now, the time you hear this show, and January 22nd, we'll be giving away a copy of Lori's book. And we're, we're excited to share that with you. For me, johntherman.com for all things John Thurman and for the show, hrsocialhourpodcast.podbean.com. Listen, rate, review, share, boost our signal, folks. That's all we ask. Just help us out there. Share it once. If this is your first time with us, welcome, stay, come back for more. International listeners, you know the deal. We're coming for you. It's 2021. Be part of the conversation. Lori, thanks again. And so for the HR Social Hour Half Hour Podcast, I'm John. And I'm Wendy. And as always, be sure to connect. Give back and network. Network. Take care, everybody. I'll see you soon.